0: what's up what's up what's up everybody welcome to the why jesus podcast we are on episode number 12 why jesus answering life's most important question uh i'm here with my good friend we call him his his name isn't matt cl but that's what he goes by because it's how you can find him so matt cl how you doing brother
1: appreciate it man yeah yeah so if you look up my name you will find neville longbottom and harry potter so we just keep it easy matt Ciel. <laughs> but I, I appreciate you having me here man I'm, I'm excited
0: yeah of course i was when i was on the cultish podcast uh you know they were saying that when they search my name clash a whole bunch of like clash of clans stuff comes up and i'm like yeah uh of if course. you if you misspell j-o-n clash it's it sends you down a rabbit hole of, of clash of clans videos some of them have like millions of views too i i, I Probably started the wrong type of YouTube channel. If you're thinking about, uh, uh, you know, analytics. I mean, uh, algorithm-wise.
1: <laughs> I would love to see that. Honestly, if you did some Clash of Clans, I'm sure some people out there would be excited. I haven't
0: played it though. <laughs> For real. But um. All right, Matt, so let's jump right into it. When we were in Arizona, so Matt is somebody that I actually got to meet in person, which is really cool. It's so cool when you meet people online and then, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ and then you meet them in person. Uh, Sometimes when you meet them in person, it's like, oh, man, I wish I never met that person. But in Matt's case, I was like, wow, I learned so much uh, about so much just in the, the brief, Dinner, brunch. What do you call a, a, a lunch, a dinner that's in between lunch and di- like a liner, right? Right, right. Yeah, you know, you know,
1: late dinner, linner. Yeah, yep. yeah,
0: like a, a linner, We had a liner. Um and I learned so much. Just to also learned from uh, Pastor Josh, who who has a church out there as well, that we all we all got together. And Matt is somebody who has an incredible testimony uh, as far as coming to Christ and and and. The environment in which he grew his relationship in Christ is very interesting. But he's also like a super media guy. Like he knows his stuff when it comes to media. So I learned a lot. Now we don't have enough time to go through everything that I learned from Matt in that uh, in that sitting. But I'm excited for him to share some of it with you. So Matt, if you could just you know tell people how how did you come to christ uh you know many people want to hear people's stories of how they came to christ and and yours is very interesting so talk to us
1: yeah yeah so man it anytime i get asked this specific question it's kind of hard to to pinpoint i know people have a you know a, a come to jesus moment where you know the lord spoke to them audibly or something and they're like that's how I knew, and my life changed overnight, and it was kind of a radical thing. But for me, it was a constant and consistent process of sanctification. And um, man, there was a lot of times where God had to draw me back in. And, um, and, and so from the very beginning, uh, my parents were actually Christians. They went to church. They went to an Assemblies of God church in the city. Uh, but the issue was they were married to other people. My mom had two children. My dad had three, three children of his own, and uh, they ended up cheating on their spouses, and I am the product of that. And so I split up two marriages. I have a bunch of you know brothers and sisters, and for a long time when I was a kid, they despised me because I split up their parents. And I was somewhere in the middle. My dad abandoned me eventually. My mom married somebody else, and um, you know I ended up at my aunt and uncle's houses in other states, and I bounced around. Nobody wanted me. Uh, ended up coming back uh, with my mom and uh, my my stepdad, guy I've never met before, and uh, traveled across the country. They were touring musicians and ended up in a trailer park out here in Arizona, like in South Phoenix. And, um, you know, grew up just in the slum of it, man. Um, was a drug addict, drug addict at 12 years old. I was drinking by the time I was 13, 14. And I was into everything that you can think of. It was just a terrible awful environment. My parents were drug addicts and alcoholics and um I didn't it's not that I didn't care about God. I didn't know God. I felt that nothing. Actually, you know, I went to church one or two times went to, you know, a Baptist church and they're like, Hey, you got to memorize scripture. And that's, that's what we're doing when you're in kids ministry. I hated it. And actually I, I dipped out, I said, Hey, I'm going to use the restroom. They're like, yeah, it's around the hall. And I just left like, as, as a kid, I'm like, I'm gone. And I walked home. And so I didn't really understand any of this. I thought it was, uh, you know, just weird. And, and I, I just didn't care. It was something that I wasn't drawn to until later on in life. Um, I I had a conversation with my grandmother when I was about 15 about uh, the Bible, about God and Jesus. And she was just so loving and caring. Um, And, you know, she said something, she said, you're going to do something great for the Lord He's going to use you. And I was like, yeah, grandma, that's great. I think that's great. Uh, Probably not, but you know, I love you so much and I appreciate you. Um, and, And that didn't come to fruition until I was about probably, you know, a late teenager, maybe 18, 19 years old, I had a drug overdose. Um, I was, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to save it so you don't get demonetized saying all the, you know, the drugs and stuff. But I, I ended up overdosing at about 18, 19 years old. Um, I, I ran away from home. Um, but before that also, I, I should take a, st- a step back. I actually had a kid when I was about 16 and a half, and he was born like three days before I turned 17 or three days after I turned 17. And so here I am like a teenage parent run away from home. My stepdad was abusive. So I I left at 16, you know, years old and off doing my own thing. I was homeless from, um, you know, the age of 16 up until I met my now wife at, you know, like 22, 23 years old. And, um, what's interesting is after that, uh, I had that drug overdose and I just I cried out to God because I was I was literally dying. And uh, the, it's an interesting circumstance behind that, because I actually uh, I started taking these pills and starting these things and smoking this and smoking and just going crazy because I I, I wanted to uh, get with this girl who who came over to my house and uh, she busted out a bunch of drugs. And I said, this is a, a, maybe one way to impress her and I'm just going to go with the flow and uh, maybe something can happen. And uh, as I started to enter into like the first phases of, of an overdose, I was like seizing and throwing up. Um, I remember her getting up and, and looking at me and saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I'm so, I can't do this, I'm so sorry. And then left me there and then she ran out of the house. I, I, I still have the, the picture of her RAV4 speeding off driving away spitting rocks on me as i'm on the gra, like in the gravel of my mom's front yard in my childhood home um in a trailer and i i just i was baffled and i and i was hurt by that and i literally cried out to god because i had nobody i didn't have anything and um i was able to <laughs> i survived that actually somebody found me and so i was able to I survived that and I got through that but even after that man I I didn't care about God because I didn't know anything I didn't know God I didn't have um I, there was, I didn't have a repentant heart I just I, I survived and that that was all that mattered to me and so in that moment I didn't know um that it, it, I I I didn't care I I didn't really care God never spoke to me in an audible voice or anything I just survived it but I knew that God preserved my life and I was grateful for that but not enough to to give him the rest of my life Um, that came much, much later. Um, I, again, I, it's funny because it's such a long and drawn out story, but, uh, it it is very interesting. I I ended up getting with another girl. Um, we were having premarital activities and, um, a friend of mine, uh, who was talking to me and he said, Hey, uh, you know, you uh, you know, talking to me about Jesus, talking to me about the Bible and things like that and praying for me. Um probably one of my only Christian friends and he gave me a ride somewhere and uh, he gave me his Bible. And I was like, it was so interesting because he was like, yeah, you should read it. And he gave me his Bible. And I took that Bible and uh, just kind of just kept it tucked away. And one night I had a dream that uh, my, my girlfriend at the time, this girl that I was with, um, I had a dream that she had cheated on me and, and caught an STD. And I was like, man, it was such a weird dream. I couldn't shake it. It was so vivid and so raw that it, it shook me awake. I was like sweating and I woke up and uh, I, I called her and I begged her to get checked. I said, look, I had a dream. And I don't know why I said this because I, I don't know if I felt that like way in the dream. But I, I told her, I said, I think God told me that you have an STD. And she freaked out, dude. She was mad. She was like, you gave me an STD. Like what, what's happening is you're scapegoating by using God and here you are. You're trying to like, you know, what are you trying to pull here? And I just said, please get checked. And she was freaking out on me. And she's like, oh, I'm going to get checked and we're done and da da da. And she ended up calling me, um, uh, two days later. So, and she said, um, yeah, it came back positive. I do have an STD and I broke down. Wow. I was like, oh, oh, oh God, Lord. Now I, I have it. I'm sure I have this now. And, uh, my Christian friend brought me to the clinic to get checked And, um, he, I remember him praying with me in the car and I'm like crying in the car and he's like, look, um, like you you deserve worse than this, but God is like merciful. He's kind and he's gracious. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's after your heart. And I, and I just kinda, I I don't know, I I brushed that off even and, um, ended up coming back clean. And I was like, wow, like, praise God, thank you so much. He saved me from that. And, um. I ended up, we ended up talking again, but me and the girl, we ended up talking again, and I was with her, and I, I don't know why I continued to go back to her, but I had that Bible that my friend gave me, and I said one night, just kind of out of the blue, I just said, God, and I felt this like overwhelming guilt and this like conviction come over me, and I and I had that Bible, I said, God, if you're real, uh, then just talk to me, just say something. And tell, should I break up with my girlfriend? And I ended up um, opening up the Bible to uh, to Proverbs, and I think it's Proverbs twelve. I'm not sure. I will have to find it for you, but I still have the Bible and I have the the, the verse like underlined and everything. I have a bookmark, and uh, it said, uh, um, "Stay far away from this girl. She's her her lips drip with honey. She's an adulteress. Her feet lead to death." um you may know the the proverb but it literally said yeah "Yeah, stay far from her um and i was like i I remember like freezing and being like okay well that was like a fluke (laughs) like again i'm dumb so i was like that's that's probably a fluke right it's it's so so
0: amazing i'm sorry to cut you off but it's just so amazing how it's like hey god give me this answer and then it the answer shows up and you're like yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, you just, just give me a, another, another answer. Uh, yeah. No, so. no, no. I don't, I don't know about that one either. It's- <laughs> like but- you literally open the Bible to the specific uh, yeah. proverb that is giving you the answer right
1: after asking God to talk to you. And you're like, yeah, nah, <laughs> dude, I was super dumb. And, but here's the thing that we are, we are, it is funny because when we talk about apologetics and things like that, it's like, Man is so stubborn. Man, we are like we are depraved. We are so depraved. Are you kidding me? And we we think like God is is gonna. It was like oh, we're gonna get a sign and and then I'll change. No, that that's not gonna happen because I had sign after sign after sign. And here's the kicker: I literally closed the Bible and I was like, okay, that was a fluke. And I mean, you know, just to test it out or whatever. I was like, yeah, but God like really speak to me. And I dropped the Bible on it, a Bible on its spine and it opened up exactly where it was. And I don't recommend that. I'm not saying that's like a good way to read the Bible, but I'm just saying that's what happened. I don't know how to make heads or tails of it. And I know that God was utilizing something for that time specifically for me. And, um, that's what kind of led me into, um, like this hyper charismatic movement because everything was about signs and wonders and miracles and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's, let's jump into that. Um, the, uh, you know, when you were talking to me, when we were in Arizona about how you came out of this super hyper charismatic environment, I was very interested in, in what primed you to get into it and now hearing your story about like you're asking God for signs and you're getting them, right? Yeah. A- and then it, it only kind of makes sense that you would be drawn to a charismatic church or a hyper-charismatic sh- church that is so focused on the signs. Now, just so so anybody who is l- listening who may not know what charismatic or uh, hyper-charismatic Is right. I'm just going to read a synopsis definition, right? So, a charismatic Christian is a member of a Christian movement that emphasizes the experience of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as speaking in tongues, prophecy, and healing. Charismatic Christians believe that these gifts are still present and active in the church today and that they are meant to empower believers to live their faith and share the gospel with others. Charismatic Christianity is often associated with Pentecostalism, but there are also many non-denominational charismatic churches and groups. The term charismatic comes from the Greek word charismata, which refers to spiritual gifts or graces. Then we have charismatic hyper charismatic so the term hyper charismatic is not an official term within christianity and its usage can vary depending on the context however it generally refers to a subject to a subset of charismatic Christians who place a strong emphasis on the supernatural aspects of the faith and may embrace extreme practices or beliefs. This can include a heightened focus on signs and wonders, dramatic spiritual experiences, and an expectation of ongoing miracle, miraculous manifestations. Some critics of hypercharismatic Christianity may view it as promoting an unhealthy focus on emotionalism and sensationalism, at the expense of sound doctrine and balanced spiritual practices so just wanted you guys to hear the definition because you know sometimes we throw these words out charismatic reformed baptist this and and a new christian's like what the heck are you guys talking about right so i just wanted to to give you guys that context before we go into deeper into matt's story so it's all on you now matt
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is, so we, you can be aligned with, um, you know, a a charismatic and everything can be fine that you can, you can be a, what is known as a charismatic and still be a biblical Christian, a believer. Um, but there is a, there's definitely a line that you cross where you you get to a place where it it becomes a little bit more, um, you know, new age, way more new age. It becomes an, an, an entire direction, which is called word of faith. That's a whole different thing. It's called a, the prosperity gospel, like a name it and claim it type of thing. Um, But where I started was actually in the assemblies of God, which is a, you know, a Bible believing church. They do Mm -hmm. have their positions that I disagree with, but overall they are, um, you know, they're just traditional Christians that you'd see traditional Pentecostalism, the majority of assemblies of God churches, although there aren't two assemblies of God churches that are the same, Uh, They all can kind of degree from where they stand on on the gifts and uh, charismata and things like that. But the one that I went to was uh, fairly traditional. They did, um, you know, weigh heavy on like speaking in tongues and things like that as as any Pentecostal church would. But I kind of ventured out of that traditional Pentecostalism, and I started venturing off into um, different territories. Um, But my story really... After the the drug overdose, after the whole thing with the Bible and my girlfriend at the time, I ended up breaking up with her. So I broke up with her after that whole thing, um, and it was it, w- it was freeing. And I ended up um, going to uh, again a local Assembly of God church and serving there, uh, playing on on the worship team and helping every Wednesday and Sunday. Man, I like I lived there, and I got real close with the people there, and I still know them and love them deeply. And um, you know. I I didn't really have a relationship with God. I was still getting into stuff that I shouldn't have been getting into. I was still, um, you know, smoking things that I shouldn't have been smoking, sleeping around the people I shouldn't have. And I, I didn't have, uh, my faith was not rooted in the person of God or his word. It was kind of rooted in this idea that like, Okay, I know that there is a God, and He did save me. And now I have to kind of. Now I feel like this obligation to, um, I, I I just feel this obligation to just like, some somehow just please Him. I just need to please Him, and and I so I guess I'm gonna go to church. So I guess I'm gonna have like Christian friends and things like that. And my faith was not built on, on on, again Scripture on the Word of God. It was it was based on this idea that I know that God is out there, like he exists, but I might as well have been a deist. And the difference between somebody who is a, a theist, like a Christian would be a theist, the like Theo being God, um, and somebody who is a deist, a deist believes in there is like a higher power, there is a God, but he's off like way out in the clouds somewhere. He doesn't really entangle himself with the world. He, he certainly doesn't respond or communicate or really care. He's just kind of off doing his own thing. And so I might might as well have been just like a a deist. And I didn't really care about scripture, didn't care about the word of God, didn't care about theology. I didn't know anything about, um, I just didn't know anything about Christ. I didn't know the commandments. And again, I didn't care. And so at, at this point, I'm at this church, it's Assemblies of God Church. And I begin to feel this, like, um, like I, I get bored. I started to get bored of everything. Like, I'm going for sermons. The sermons are a little boring. Uh, the people there kind of bore me, and I'm, I'm kind of over it. And so I begin to meet people outside of the church again. And what's and, your age uh, at this time again? So I'm probably, so this is after my overdose. So I'm probably 19 at the time. Yeah. Probably 19, maybe closer to 20. And, um, around that time, 19, 20, 21, something like that. Um, I'm, I'm 34 now, so it's, it's been some time, but I ended up seeing other, I started seeing girls again and getting back into, you know, drugs and all that stuff, drinking and being dumb. And I, again, this entire time I'm homeless. So 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, still homeless, ended up leaving the city because the more that I got into drugs and um, doing, you know, uh, premarital things. I, I, I was being held accountable by my Christian friends and that would aggravate me. And so I decided to walk away from them because I had no conviction. I didn't care. And it was clearly evident now looking back that I was a false convert, but I just, I didn't, that's who I was. I was a person of the world, godless, Christless, unrepentant, ended up leaving the city, left the church. Um, People in the church, my Christian friends tried to talk to me. They tried to tell me, but nothing they said was going to get through to me because, again, I didn't care. I had no conviction. Um, It it meant nothing to me. So I ended up leaving that city, going to a college town, and I wandered. Man, I was out on the streets just wandering. I, I lived for some time in my car and ended up walking around ASU campus in Tempe out here in Arizona. It's a big campus, and I stumbled upon... Somebody that I met, like, you know, early on in my Assemblies of God times, when I first started going to church, I I saw him again uh, walking around campus and he was like, hey man, and he was a Christian. And he's like, hey man, how you doing? It's good to see you. And I was like, man, yeah, I'm just uh, not good. I'm homeless, I'm hot, Arizona's hot. It's terrible in the summer, It's around summertime, or at least like at the tail end of the summertime, I'm like, I'm hot, I I need a place to stay. And um, he's like, yeah as, as the good Christian he is, he was like, yo, come stay with us for some time and, uh, you you know, we'll feed you and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And, uh, ended up doing that. And he's like, I want to bring you to like a, like a church event that we have. And I was like, yeah, for sure. I'll go to, I'll go to your church event. And it happened to be a, uh, like a, like a prayer meeting on campus. And I was like, okay, go into this prayer meeting on campus. And these kids are like on fire for God. Um, at least, you know, that, that's what it appeared. They were, you know, praying over anybody who would walk up They're They're forget speaking in tongues. They're like yelling in tongues. And I saw people like (laughs) shaking, you know, like literally falling out and shaking. And I saw, you know, somebody with a, like a broken leg or something get healed. And I'd, I'd see all, all sorts of stuff. Like just, you know, everything that you could see that you would think like an old traditional, okay I won't say traditional but that you would think like a charismatic setting would be you would see that um I had there are people prophesying they they worshiped day and night man they they actually have a thing that's called 24 hour prayer where they they will pray 24 hours a day and they'll just take rotations students will come in and then they'll leave and other students will come in and they just like schedule it and they'll pray day and night over ASU and I think that's a that's an honorable thing I think it's great but the problem for me was, I started getting entangled with a lot, some of the students that would come in and they brought in a lot of their like new age and hyper charismatic stuff. And it, it to me, it perceived to be of, of this God that I was trying to get closer to, or at least obey or, or you know, uh, trying to uh, appease. And I, I began to um, get into circles with people like John Crowder. I, I, don't, I know a lot of people watching this are probably not familiar with him. But, you know, John Crowder being like this Christian mystic who, um, you know, got tangled. In that time, it was something that was called uh, Token the Ghost. It was very interesting. So they'll say, like, you can feel more of the Holy Spirit by, like, sucking him in. Like, you're smoking him. Like, you're literally, like, inhaling the holy spirit and this is what they would do very blasphemous but they would they would get like drunk in the spirit they would literally act as if they were drinking or they would they would bless water or they take wine or, and they would get drunk and they would be just plastered drunk as if they were truly truly drunk and just blabbering and and you know prophesying and doing whatever speaking in tongues and laying on each other and doing uh, things like fire tunnels and fire tunnels is when uh, uh, every everybody in the the um you know in in the building i was going to say like the the church meeting i'll just say meeting everybody in the meeting they would you know put their hands together like like a bridge and you would basically walk through and they would speak words over you or they would uh you know prophesy or they would speak tongues or they they'd blow in your face you know catch the spirit blowing your face and people would fall out it it didn't matter who it was, man or woman, a a woman could have her dress on and she would fall back and, and kick her legs up and show everything. And nobody cared and everybody'd be sweaty and rolling around on each other. And these meetings were very intense and very heavy. And, you know, I, I, I partook in those thinking that I was getting closer to God. I thought I was, you know, like I'm, I'm catching the spirit. I I'm, you know, falling out. I'm, I'm having these dreams and these visions and I'm, and it's just it's all too it's very very distant for me now but when i was in it i thought it was a very honorable thing that was godly and biblical and i again am not reading scripture didn't care it was all about this feeling of acceptance this like feeling of god i'm i'm seeing and witnessing signs and wonders and miracles and things at least things that i perceived as signs wonders and miracles and it, it was and that's what was keeping me going I was listening to these sermons by people um, and ended up getting into circles of uh, prominence where, you know, it's like John Crowder, you know, bless me. He like anointed my forehead with oil, um, ended up, you and know, meeting just, people. Just to, just to
0: pause on that, he, he anointed yeah. you with oil yeah. without knowing if you were studying scripture, without mm-hmm. knowing if you were, uh, you know, diligently seeking a relationship with Christ, just yeah. because you were participating in, in all of this, he, I guess, felt it was a good idea to anoint you.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it didn't matter. It, it was all about, it, it's perceivable obedience. I can see I can see that you're worshiping hard. I can see that you're praying in tongues. I can see that you're hungry. If they can see this like hunger, then all the other stuff doesn't really matter because to them it's like, oh, you can have wrong theology. Who are you? Um, it's like, all it, the only thing that matters is, being obedient to God and their version of being obedient to God was, um, how, how, how much are you going to live your life applicable to the signs and wonders that follow? And the problem with that is you can be an awful, terrible human being with awful theology. And as long as you have the accompanying signs and wonders and miracles and tongues and things that come along with that, they give you a pass. And it happens all the time in the hyper charismatic realm. You can be an awful individual with a terrible past, shouldn't be trusted, can't be near a school within 500 feet at least, and they would still mark you as a prophet, they would still listen to you, they'd still blast you and in fact, there are people who were ex-child molesters um, you know and I, I can name names and I eventually will, but there were people who were ex-child molesters who full- on molested children who were arrested and in prison who are now in prominent places, uh, uh, teaching in these hyper charismatic, um, you know, faculties, like it's, it's so interesting to me because it's like, they they can, they can wipe that away. And in some normal circumstances, we can say, God can make you new. He can give you a new heart. You can repent and you can come to faith and things like that. But these people are not repented. They don't care. They don't care that that past is kind of just like ignored and they move on. It, It doesn't matter and there is no accountability. And so for me, I'm seeing these men who have these like torn up pasts. They still have anger issues. A lot of them have broken marriages. A lot of them have um, addictions to other things and they're still in positions of power because, well, they have the accompanying signs and wonders and and tongues and so on and so forth. And so those were the people that were keeping me going, not the word of God, not God. but man, yeah, I'm sorry if I uh, yeah, keep on no, rambling here, but yeah. No, 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 I'm,
0: I'm so, I'm listening to what you're saying and like, a, it's like painting a, a picture in my, in my mind. So what would right. you say, right, that mm-hmm. if these signs that are supposed to accompany those who believe, right, you know, this, yeah. what they always, what they always pull out, um, you know, these signs will accompany those who believe and then they start going right. through the list. Um, they mm-hmm. skip some, but the, they go through the list. Sure. What do you attribute those signs to? If these yeah. people, you you know that they are degenerate. You know that they are not living holy lives. You know that they are, uh, you know, cheating on their spouse or, or whatever, whatever sin you mm-hmm. want to call it, right? Mm-hmm. Right. How is it that these signs are still following?
1: Right. Well, there, okay. So there's two avenues here, which is very really interesting. I've I've thought about this a lot, and I may be wrong. And I'm willing to discuss that. But where I've fallen is, there there are two aspects to this. There are uh, genuine miracles, genuine signs that take place, and it it just is what it is because the the gifts are without repentance. So in it's it's Matthew, in the in the Gospel of Matthew, there will be people who come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not heal the sick? Did we not raise the dead? Did we not do all these uh, you know, amazing, mighty works in your name? And in the end, he's going to say, be away from me. I never knew you. Now, some people would read that and say, well, they're lying. They, they, they didn't actually do those things. They're just lying. Um, and I don't really fall into that camp. I fall into the camp that the gifts are without repentance. You can use the name of Jesus and somebody may be healed. Somebody, you know something could happen from that. But in the end, you don't know Jesus. You don't know God. You don't have a relationship with him. Now there's that. Now here's another side to that. They could be false miracles. There are false miracles that happen where I believe demonic sickness can overcome somebody. Not saying that all sickness is demonic, but there could be a demonic sickness that would fall on somebody and a demon would pull back with the illusion that somebody would be healed. And that's, and there's biblical precedence for that. It says that, um, uh, there, there, you know, there will be false miracles through the antichrist. And it, it, what's interesting to me is like, those are not the those are not the the fruit of the spirit. And so when when you talk to yes. somebody and they go, "Well, I have the fruit of the spirit. I have miracle signs and wonders," but that's not what the Bible says. If you that's go back to Galatians, fruit. that's not the fruit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kind and you go through it all and you're like, oh, I didn't see, you know, casting out demons. I didn't see healing the sick. I didn't see raising the dead. I didn't see that. And because the gifts are without repentance and that's that's not proof of your relationship with God that, that there are times where I, in, in the past, I've seen people who would, you know, say supposedly, you know, they they would supposedly speak in tongues. They would preach this like, this like fire sermon and then turn around, head out the back door, smoke a cigarette, cuss their wife out and and move on with their life and, and go get drunk. I've seen, I've seen it numerous times. I've seen pastors who have been in, you know, they, they've been pastored for, um, or at least been in ministry and been pastoring for, you know, a, a few decades. And then they're like, you know, I, I got to tell you a secret. I actually don't really believe any of this anymore. I just can't. I can't step away from this cuz I got a pension. What what else am I going to do? I got my degree here. I, I can't leave this. You know, I would upset my wife, my kids. I, it would rock the boat. I just I play the part because that's what I need to do. And hey, if somebody's getting a good word and it's affecting their life in a positive manner, then that's a good thing, right? It should be honorable. And I'm like no, that it doesn't matter. So these like sermons that are coming from these people that we appear to be, like we we look at that and go, this is fire, this is amazing, this is life changing. Chances are they might not even believe it, and they're laying hands on people and people being, you know, laid out. It's like how can you how can you make sense of all that? It, it, and a lot of it doesn't really make sense to me. But the position that I have landed on is again, the gifts are without repentance and there are demonic false miracles and signs that do take place constantly. So that's where I'm at.
0: So let's, um, let's dive into that a little bit deeper because in this Mm -hmm. hyper charismatic world, you were also involved in some deliverance, you know, you you wouldn't say you were like a quote unquote deliverance minister, but it was something that, that went on a lot. Right. Right. So given the picture that has just been painted, um, you know, what, how do you wrap your head around that? For those that are that are not listening, when we when we talk about deliverance, we mean uh, a specific type of ministry that's out right now and it has been out for a while. Where they believe that almost everything is a demon, and this is you know a, a caricature yeah. of it. I'm, I'm sure being a little playful, but that they also believe that Christians can have demons and right. that you get the demons cast out, and then if you go sin, the demons come back. And there's this like. Uh, you're in this cycle of chronic um you're you're in need all the time of being delivered from demons right Right. and you kind of got to walk on eggshells and make sure that you don't watch the wrong movie and that you don't you know say the wrong words or you don't uh you know if you skip reading your bible you know all of these weird things that if you don't do them you could possibly get a demon so Mm -hmm. Like coming from your perspective now, looking at all that one, give us some times, like uh, maybe an instant, an instance in which you witnessed a deliverance and you're like, yo, this is some real stuff. And then give us a time where maybe you've witnessed it and you're like, I think this could be just the power of suggestion going on right Mm -hmm. here. You know, kind of take us through some of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me pick up here and this, this will give you some context in the entire thing. So as I'm going through this, this wild ride meeting all these individuals. I I met John Crowder, and Ryan Lestrange, and my wife was, uh, you know, blessed and anointed by like the Savelle family, like Jerry Savell and um, Kelly Copeland and Copeland family and, and all this stuff. And so it's like, we, we were like in the thick of it and, and I'm not saying everybody attached to that is, is outright heretical because I have a lot of friends who are stuck in that, who don't know the odds and ends of it and they think this is just they and they read their bible and they love the lord but they they're not going any deeper than their church will allow them and that's sad and i feel so i feel so bad for those individuals they don't go any further than that they don't understand uh, the word of god contextually they don't even know what the word theology means it doesn't matter they they've placed their trust in their pastors and they're kind of they're blindly accepting this and that's where i was at too now i i have seen people I've seen demons cast out of people. I've I've cast demons out of people. Um, I have, uh, and I truly believe that there is uh, precedence for demonic possession and demonic oppression. And I believe that uh, there is a, a the unseen world that exists with demons lurking around, seeking to destroy and devour all that it can see. It wants to destroy your marriage. Excuse me. Your relationship with your children—it wants to destroy anything that it can grip its little claws onto. I'm not denying that, but what I'm saying is, a, a lot of people who don't understand the Word of God to any certain extent, at least theologically, they they begin to read Scripture and um, they have this like false understanding of demonology. And I'll expand on that by by kind of going a little bit further into my testimony. So I did see all that stuff. I, I even got into Um, Like Sozo Healing, Uh, a lot of people are familiar with that through Bethel, Bill Johnson, and them. I ran with the Bethel guys. I ran with like Mike Bickle and the IHOP guys as well um, in worship. I was a worship leader, so that was a really big uh, like importance on my life. And so I met a lot of the guys from Bethel, a lot of guys from IHOP, KC, and so that was like my thing. Those were my people. Those were my friends, and I went to everything that they did here locally. Even Uh, still, know a lot of the leaders in those churches. And, um, still friends with them, still have discussions with them, still have conversations with them. Um, but what really pulled me out of this entire thing is I, I began to, I began to, I guess, like lose faith. And I don't know if I believe that to be a term any longer, but I began to like lose faith and me losing my faith was, um, I didn't know God. I just be, I began to become more and more cold towards the culture that was around me, and and as I prayed and as I cried out to God, I didn't really hear anything back, and I didn't really I, I didn't feel anything. There was no connection, and and I felt like everybody was kind of like putting on this show for whatever reason, and I, I didn't. I guess I just didn't have a reason to stick around, and so I began to doubt. And I was like, well, I I just, I I don't know, I don't know where I'm going now. I I could be an atheist easily, and I think everything would just remain the same. And I remember having like, some like medical issues and some things going on in my marriage, um, that I that I prayed to God over, and nothing ever got better. So I was like, well, I was told that healing is your will, God, and you're not healing me. I was told that my marriage was in your will, that you let no man you know, separate what you've joined together. And here you are, like my marriage is in shambles, like I'm sick and, and nothing's happening. So obviously you're not real. And that's the conclusion that a lot of people have because they'll say, well, we're supposed to be healed. We're supposed to have our best life ever. And that's not happening. So apparently... God, you don't exist. And so that that's where I was. And I ended up on this, in just this incredible journey of, I threw everything away. Like I got rid of everything. I had no Christian anything. I, I don't think I even had, I, I actually saved the Bible that my, my friend gave me uh, long ago during the whole drug overdose thing. Um, I, I think that was the only thing that I had, but I threw everything away. I got rid of all my books, like all of my, like I had all these like, like supposed prophets and these like charismatic guys and stuff. That's what I would read, by the way. I never read the Bible, read that. And I listened to sermons. That's where I learned a lot of my stuff. And that's uh, problem number one. But I threw all that stuff away. And I remember going on this journey, just asking questions. And I ended up contacting a lot of my Pentecostal friends and my hyper charismatic friends and asking them questions, very basic questions. How do you know that this is the word of God? How do we know that this is true? How do you know that God exists? Well, what about evolution and science and what we see there? And I just began to ask them um, what is known as like apologetic questions. And I I began to quickly realized that they did not have an answer. Like they did not know. I was asking these questions to my hyper charismatic and Pentecostal friends who did not have answers because they weren't rooted in the, in scripture. They weren't rooted in God's word. They didn't, they probably maybe even didn't even have a relationship with God. And I got frustrated and I was like, this is ridiculous. Why, why would I believe anything that you're selling me? If you can't answer these basic questions, like these are just like first year apologetic questions. And I was so I was offended and and i and I walked away from that, leaving me to find the answers out on my own. so I began to research and i and I saw this guy online. It was actually it started with Ravi Zacharias. I saw this guy Ravi Zacharias online and uh, listening to him and listening to Nabil Qureshi and some of those guys and I started to piece together some of these answers and i i it it was clear to me that like there there was so much more outside of my like hyper charismatic realm that existed and i and i began to look at my friends and be like man like that that is it's apparent that that is a cult like it's a cult i was in a cult and i began to i began to go down that journey more and more answering these questions getting my 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 answers and i remember i remember uh falling asleep one night and I was ready, I was like ready to be an atheist, by the way, like, although I was looking for these answers and stuff like that, I was so ready to be an atheist and just throw this all away, and I remember saying, "Uh, Jesus, I don't even, I don't know if you're real, I don't, certainly don't know if you're God, I don't know, I don't know if any of this is just make-believe, whatever, Uh, but, you know, God, I'll retain the idea that you, you do exist, and I'm just gonna I don't know. I'm just going to live my life. Okay. You're going to have to intervene if you want something from me. I just don't care anymore. And I remember closing my eyes and I remember waking up and I was crying. I was like crying in my sleep. I remember crying and I just, I just, I had this like sense of like, I just felt so lost. I felt so lost. I didn't have any answers. I didn't know anything. And, I just remember like this thought come to me. That was like, it was, it was like a, Hey, it's going to be okay. I'm here. I've always been here. I'm not going anywhere. Just, just look at me. And I remember having like this peace, just overwhelming peace come over me. And I, and I fell back asleep and I woke up and everything was just like colorful and I, and I just, I, I had this sense in me where I was like, no, I I know that you're real like i know that you're there and i remember there was not even a question about it it was like like jesus you are god like you are god and i remember like rushing to my bible and opening it up and finally understanding what i was reading like this god he he granted me this like illumination over my mind and and i began to um study the bible and study the word and it, it's really interesting because as that was taking place, my mom was stuck in the word of faith movement, the prosperity gospel, the whole thing. And I get a call from her one night and she, she says, Matt, Matt, start praying now, pray now. And I said, mom, what's going on? She said, I don't have time. Just pray now. And I said, okay, okay. And and she hung up on me and I was praying. I was like, my you know, like, God, like, you know, help my mom. I don't know what's going on here. And, um, she uh, ended up calling me back, uh, probably about twenty minutes later, and she said, uh, "He's dead, he's dead." And I said, "Who who is dead? Who are, you, who are you? What are you talking about? Who are you talking about, Mom?" And she goes, "Gary, her husband, my stepdad. He's dead, he's dead." And I was like, "Mom, I'm on my way." And I went and I rushed down there. Uh, they they rushed him to the hospital. They couldn't save him. He died. And I watched my mom crumble in the hospital in front of me. I've never seen this woman cry in my life. And uh, she crumbled in front of me and I, I just shook my head. And what I found out was incredibly shocking. She didn't call the ambulance right away when he died in her arms. She attempted to raise him from the dead and it didn't happen. And then she called the ambulance and then the ambulance came and they said, if you were to call us sooner, then maybe something would have happened but it's too late now. And I watched my mom just just walk away from God and walk away from all that she knew and all of her word of faith, prosperity, hyper-charismania, it just instantly fell off of her. She closed her Bible. She stopped watching the sermons. She stopped quoting anything. And I remember coming to her house one day and she had hd hg tv on and i was like oh that's weird normally she's always having these like you know these preachers that are preaching 24/7 because in the word of faith movement it's the if if you can continuously have like the word of god what they what they say is the word of god uh playing over and over again you can like shift the atmosphere you can change things there's like power in the word and things like that and so they're all about word and audibility and so forth and so uh, one day I went over to her house and HGTV was on, and I was like, am like that's that's odd, that's weird." And I remember all of her stuff was put away. She cleaned up her her uh, like her bookshelf, and everything was gone. And at the same time that that's taking place, like I'm coming out of this, and I and I begin, I, I was working for this company. It was a medical company. And the man that I worked for was a part of the you know Pentecostal church that I was at, just hyper hyper charismatic, and his wife was um, given a a cancer diagnosis. So his wife was diagnosed with, with cancer, and he said, um, "Well, we're we're just going to we're we're going to pray this away. We don't accept that word." We we will not allow the enemy to come against us. We we're gonna speak against that cancer. We're not gonna accept that. And we are going to um, we're gonna pray this away. And his wife um, for she she declined chemotherapy. So she decided to forego chemotherapy. And this is like years. Okay, her cancer thing went on for like two years or something, and she denied chemotherapy chemotherapy she denied any treatment up until like the bitter end and towards the end she was like oh gosh i'm sick i need chemotherapy like this isn't working and they said it's it's too late it's too late if we give you chemotherapy like it would kill you your body's too weak and she ended up dying and her husband and her family watched this entire thing play out and they were still adamant about this. And so they ended up keeping her body in in the uh, coroner's office or or I guess like the morgue or whatever for, um, after the legal extended time, I think it's like two weeks or something, but like she was in there for uh, over two weeks because the husband would go in every single day and bring everybody from the church along with him to pray over this woman in order to, uh, Uh, You know, raise her from the dead, and it didn't happen. And even at the funeral, they said, "This is not a funeral. This is going to be a showing of God's glory. We are here, and if you don't have the same faith that, if you don't have the amount of faith that it takes to raise her from the dead, then you're not going to be a part of this. Uh, We want people who are firm in the faith, who who's going to stand on this with us, and she's going to raise from the dead. And I bought, you know, I, I made reservations for dinner." for being my wife and we are going to dinner she's raising from the dead and it never happened and he ended up uh collapsing you know like this whole thing like a lot of these people were shaken by this and they said uh like god where are you if this is not your will then i don't i don't know who you are anymore and if your will is for us to be healed and to be raised from the dead and not be sick and have our best life ever and you're not here, then maybe you're not real, or maybe you just don't care. And yeah. So a lot of these, a lot of these people walked away, and that was their version of God. And so I, I'm watching this, like transpire. I'm watching this take place in my life with my mom, with my church, with my friends, with my, you know, with my boss, and with all these people. And I was like, God, I, I, it, it, it became like it became like painfully aware, again, that this was like cult-like mentality. It's all based on figureheads from sermons and churches and um, these like preachers and, and pastors who don't know the word of God, um, don't really have a relationship with God, but they're preaching from this like cultural position. And it was frightening. It was frightening. And so I I remember trying to make heads or tails of this and ended up just... Diving into theology, I ended up seeing a whole other side of it. I, I, I remember even watching like the, like the strange fire conference. And they even mentioned like John Crowder and Ryan Lestrange and some of the people that I was hanging with. And so it was very interesting to me. And I saw that and I was like, that seems really strict. And it was like, it was like painful to watch. Um, but then I, I began to listen to um, like different positions outside of like the hyper charismatic Pentecostal side of things. And I began to know about the the sovereignty of God, and I began to study the Bible. It was the number one thing that pulled me out of this. Is if if you want to get out of that, then just go study the Bible. Go read the Bible. Okay, like you you have to take off the lens of, that you are in, and you're it, 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 like if anybody's listening to this and you're in that realm and you feel like there's a little bit of you in that, just take the lens off for just a second. and and get before the simple gospel, go straight to the word of God and and allow him to flesh that out with you. Um, And I began to ask questions like, can we see this in antiquity? Can I see these sorts of um, things in antiquity? If I look at church history, am I going to find any of this? And a lot of it I did not find. I look back in church history. Am I seeing this in in other denominations? And I didn't find it in other denominations. I, I would mention things that I would learn in the Bible when I was hyper charismatic, and I'd mention this to other believers who I'd met, and they'd go, "What are you talking about? That's weird. Like that's not." And I go, "No, you just don't have like you don't have a, a relationship with God. Like you, you're like whatever you have going on is legalism. That's religion. That's not what I, I don't want that." And I began to. I just see all these things take place in my life and in around me and I come to find that that God is a a caring and loving and sovereign God but he didn't promise us a healing in our body here on this earth he didn't promise and and I I remember even people saying things like by his stripes we've been healed and I and I'd look back at the context and I'd be like you know that's I think I think that's talking about like spiritual healing. I think I think that's talking about, although there may not be healing in this life, but there will be healing in the next. I think that you guys are taking these parts of scripture and you're allowing them to like shape and mold what the culture has already taught you. And, and you're making sense of your culture by taking things from the Bible and allowing it to be evidence to support your claims. But that's not the way the Bible works and so i i saw god and i and i and i saw god in his hand through the work of the of the disciples of the, the apostles where they were all martyred and we look at stephen where he was stoned to death we look at we look at like the beheading of john the baptist and i'm like that doesn't sound like healing that doesn't sound like like, that doesn't sound like the best life ever. That's terrible. They were stoned to death. They were dipped <laughs> in oil and, and cast off into like an island, John of Patmos. And I'm going, whoa. And, and all this stuff started to, to really seep out of the word of God. And he's like, you may not be healed in this life. Actually, you're going to face persecution. Actually, it's going to be really hard. Actually, people are going to hate you for my name's sake. They're going to persecute you you're going to be there there is going to be trials all over the place and 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 the world is going to be tough on you and they're going to hate you but just understand that i've overcome the world and if they hate you it's because they hated me first and i began to see my faith uh just flourish in the life of jesus he was beaten and whipped and tortured he took The cross and died in our place. Like we deserve hell, death, and the grave. And God is merciful for even sending his son in our place to pay the penalty for our sin that we could not afford. We don't deserve the best life ever. We don't deserve a healing. In fact, God, he told Adam and Eve, if you eat from this fruit, surely you will die. That was the word. That was the promise. And surely we will. But Jesus, he took the cross in our place. He, he, he paid the penalty that we could not afford to pay. We, there was no way we could do it on our own. And I began to see the death, barrel, and resurrection um, in my, just, just take hold of my theology. And I'm like, you know, even looking back, I'm like, a lot of this word of faith stuff and the hyper charismatic stuff and, it's like a lot of these people mean well but they just don't they just don't understand a lot of them are not going back to the word of god they're not reading the bible they're going to sermons they're going to they're they're putting their trust in men who are preaching from a cultural position and i'm and i'm sad to say it but a lot of these people are are false teachers they're false preachers they don't know god and when they crumble half of their church splits up people walk away from the faith because we've placed our trust in man and not in God and not in the Word of God. And the only thing that it pulled me out of that was going to the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. It doesn't, and the Word of God is not something that a man is going to, you know, he's he's going to come up with through this um, like topical preaching that you hear on YouTube. It's not these it's weird because you talked about deliverance and people would what they what a lot of like deliverance people do and hyper charismatic people do what they do is they replace sin with demon you have a demon of lust you have you have a spirit of lust you have a, a spirit of fornication you have a spirit of anger you have a, a have a spirit of this you have a spirit of that that's not true you're a depraved man you're a depraved woman you're far from God. This is what happens. That that is the fruit of godlessness. That is the fruit of the flesh. You're angry because you don't know God, and that is your sinful nature. Like you're you're sinful and and you're lustful because there is no conviction on you, and it, it hurt me because there was no repentance from that. It was I need a man, a deliverance minister, in order to deliver me from my woes. But what you really need is to repent. You need to repent and come to saving faith. And I'm not saying that repentance will save you because a lot of people will say that, oh, you're saying that Oh, you're going to repent and, and that's what's going to save you. That, that's not true. If you come before a judge and you say, I'm sorry, I repent for killing that woman. I repent. He's going to say, well, you should, and you should feel sorry. You should feel You should feel bad for that, but that doesn't get you off the hook. That's not the way it works. You need the the penalty needs to be paid. The punishment needs to be weighed out, and we can only do that through uh, salvation in Christ alone. So we're we're saved by faith, or by grace through faith in Christ alone. And uh, I'm so sorry, somebody is like knocking on this window back here. I live in the city.
0: I'm, a, I'm happy that it that it's uh, your dogs because it's usually our neighbors uh, going crazy. But but yo, Matt, you. I was like drawn in by everything that you were saying and, and you said so many parts that I wanted to like jump in and say something but you, you you kept it uh like your your story was so intriguing. Man, when you were saying that you saw your mother throw her faith away because, you know, she she waited too long for the ambulance like right. that that broke my heart here and that and that's that's why this stuff is so dangerous you know it's yeah. it sets a false expectation of god i have a i have a section uh i have a chapter in my book called faith fentanyl right the book is mm. about spiritual heroin and faith fentanyl is the christian version of spiritual heroin which is you know many of these word of faith teachers and and prosperity gospel and and all of that they're selling you uh you know it's not even real stuff it's synthetic you know fentanyl is right. synthetic but synthetic right. is the the synthetic um, fentanyl is it's like 150 times more powerful than morphine right and oh, yeah. and, and so this word of faith and 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 hyper charismatic it's powerful stuff cuz it can it can engulf you and have you have you thinking that you're doing right by God and and that you're living by the word of God and that these promises of speaking things into existence and these promises of being able to raise the dead. Two weeks, this pastor was waiting, was trying to, was gathering people at the funeral, gathering people. This does not bring glory to God. It doesn't because now you have people on the outside looking in saying, these, this is what Christians believe. Oh, You know, no, our faith, is is firmly planted on christ and christ is the truth and belief in christ is rational and god he may do miraculous things that defy all rationality but he's a he works through reason he he works through truth it we right. don't have to you know um the, the biblical word for faith in, in many of its descriptions is uh, I, th- I believe it's the Greek word pistis which means faith because of what you've seen you know and right. be- because of what you have heard and because of what you know so faith based on evidence and it's not faith based on feelings and false promises and I'm so sorry that your mom you know went through that and, 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 yeah. and, and you know
1: walked away from the faith and
0: yeah, uh, it, it's so
1: heartbreaking. To to end on well, to also, just so people have closure on that, she actually came um, to Saving Faith. Oh, she, awesome! She ended up. Uh, you, yeah, had me, she, you had me. Um, you had me
0: on a on a on a cliff on a cliffhanger yeah. right there, man. I was gonna go be praying for your mom tonight, like telling my mm-hmm. wife we gotta put mm-hmm. her in prayer. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, no. She's a she. You know, she she was saved from years of alcoholism and she was a terrible awful alcoholic man awful always growing up she was drunk constantly um and actually i remember her like speaking in tongues like drunk belligerent drunk like speaking in tongues like hearing her speak in tongues belligerent drunk that'll really that'll make you go like you know and so she ended up hearing she ended up hearing a sermon by RC sprawl about the sovereignty of God and the holiness of God. And it just like, Whoa, like rocked her. And now she's like, dude, I may, I may lean a little reformed and I'm like, you know, somewhere in the middle, but my mom is like reformed, dude. She's like reformed now. And so we do have conversations about that. and, And she, you know, reminisces about the things that have, transpired and the things that she used to believe and it's very upsetting for her but there there's peace knowing that um, like she's come to this like true salvation in Christ and understands the authentic Word of God and um, I wish I could say the same about the other situation um, yeah the individual actually ended up getting married within like the year within just like a few months after that to the lady's best friend and it was like the whole thing was just like wow there's like a big difference between like (laughs) two sides of the story. Um, And and, uh, the lady who left me in the drug overdose actually died in a drug overdose where her friend left her. wow. She died of a a drug overdose on pills and the person she was taking pills with snorting pills with um, left her and left her the same way she left me. And, and I remember like it's, it's crazy to look back and see like the hand of God on my life and to see like the, just the, the, like the provision of God, you know? And I don't know. And I feel for a lot of my friends who are, who, who still don't understand, they don't have answers for a lot of things and they tend to go, um, they tend to go back to like, you know, like sermons, they'll go back to like a book or something like that or, um, not the word, but, any any anywhere but the word of God. It's like you have the answer. Um, we can find that in the inerrant word of God, just go back. It is like it, this is this is truthful. It's the it's only like you, thing that's not gonna lead you straight. It's like you do realize that like this is the book
0: that all those other books are writing about, right? You know, like so just, just go Supposedly. to the Supposedly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to put well, the and, bunny ears. Yeah, right, right. Supposedly and everything comes Crumbling down. When you go like this, when you have theirs and you have the Word of God and you and you do this, then you then you start to really, you really yeah. start to get some. So if you've already read this and you're not going here, um, the the Word of God says to test it. Yep. put it to the test. And so you look, and, and and thing nothing added up. But here's the thing: like you don't have to study a bunch of counterfeit bills in order to you know, know a counterfeit bill when you see it. Uh, the FBI they don't they don't go and study a bunch of counterfeit bills to see and know a counterfeit bi- a bill. They they study the real thing mm-hmm. in and out, through and through, and they know exactly what that bill looks like. So when they see a counterfeit, they it doesn't look like the real bill. And they yeah, can, you know, and that's what's gonna that's what's gonna keep you. The Word of God says, "It's like your your word is a lamp unto my feet," mm-hmm. and with that image in mind, you're in complete darkness. What you have is a lamp and that's what should be your guiding light. And God has already He's already given us all that needs to be said. And I dude I can't tell you how many times people would say, I got a revelation from God. You know, I read this scripture and this is what it means. And it's like well, well no, that's not a revelation. That that that's that would opinion. actually be called or would it would be called illumination. Maybe God has illuminated your mind to this because what you're saying has already been written. Mm-hmm. And if it's not written, then how useful is it? Because everything that's been written, that's what matters. We, we we tend to focus on things that don't matter. And this is why it's like people get bored of the Bible. So they need more action in their life. I need to see the dead raised. I need to see It, it doesn't come from this, this like, genuine position of your heart. And I don't mean to ramble, but a lot of this a lot of this stuff doesn't come from this genuine love for people where it's like this person is dead and their family is weeping. Like I'm breaking down for them. Like I'm dying for them. Lord, would you raise this person from the dead? Or I want to see this person healed because I care for them so much and they shouldn't endure that pain. And oh my goodness. And it doesn't come from that. It comes from, I want to see God move. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, able to see how obedient I am to him. And I'm this faithful man and he's going to wow. And we're going to wow some people. And it never comes from this like genuine pity from, from like deep within yourself where you're, where you're like, these people are sick.
0: You're, need, you're mourning yeah. with them. Like you're, you're right. You have your, you feel the pain that they're going through. And so you want right. them to, to stop feeling it. You know, you care for them so yep. much. I was um uh, you know, on the topic of hyper-charismatic stuff, uh, I was talking to my wife about Derek Prince, right? And, you know, there's... Derek Prince, for those who don't know, was, uh, you know, big in deliverance ministry, and, and he made arguments for deliverance being biblical and all of this stuff. But I used to listen to Derek Prince a lot. Um, and when I kind of butted heads with the, the modern-day demon slayers the the neo um deliverance ministers there was a stark contrast that i noticed right um so derek prince and i didn't study all of his stuff right i didn't agree with a lot of it but you know I, i don't agree with a lot of it but when he spoke he spoke with such compassion and and he cared so much about people and I've seen sermons of him like weeping and crying just talking about a situation that involved somebody he cared about like he I think he adopted like 12 something kids you know like just just full on fruits of the spirit uh, life you know Yeah. yeah I disagreed with him on the Christians having a demon thing but man did it come from a place of humility. In contrast to what we see now, where the deliverance movement and the hyper charismatic movement isn't coming from a place of humility, it's coming from a place of arrogance that you're wrong, I'm right, and everyone who doesn't
1: believe uh, you could be blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we see a lot of that. And I, and w- what's interesting is they're also not they're not logically consistent mm-hmm. so if you if you read like mark 16 where they're like you know these signs will follow follow all those that believe there are some things that they leave out like drinking poison yeah, yeah, yeah. and snakes and being bitten but then you see like the like the whack job pentecostals who are like i'd say southern Pentecostals. they're, they're not okay I, I take that back maybe they're not whack job but at least they're logically consistent like yeah, at yeah. least they're drinking strychnine and allowing snakes to bite them and not die and it's like what do you do with that yeah like, yeah <laughs> if you look at those guys and they're doing and they're following the line and being logically consistent like how come the other guys aren't doing that it's like yeah don't you follow the full word like the fullness cause, of the words
0: because they cherry pick you know that's that's what they do they, they cherry pick out of context i actually have a lot of respect for the people who carry the serpents and and do the whole snake things i don't think that it's a good idea i don't think that they should be doing this i don't think it's necessary yeah i'm and not green lighting that if, <laughs> yeah yeah, for yeah. Sure. no not at all but i respected them Following it to its logical conclusion, I, I definitely, definitely do. And understand uh, for anybody listening, I pray for these people all the time. Like my, my heart bleeds for for them, uh, for people that are caught up in these movements, for them themselves, because I think many of them may be like self-deceived um, and, and caught up in, in just like when you're caught up in a machine and the machine is moving, it's difficult for you to be like, I think I, I think I want to stop this machine, you know, but um, anyway, look, we've been here for, what is it, what is it, let me look, about an hour and 11 minutes, right, um, so just, I just want to ask you one question to, to close out, you know, what advice would you offer Christians that are, you know, navigating this navigating the mess that is uh, modern Christianity with, you know, hyper-charismatic stuff, um, you know, even people who think that, um, you know, uh, like I have this conversation with my Calvinist friends, you know, there's some Calvinists that are like, everybody who's not a Calvinist is a heretic, you know, or there's even some, you know, Armenians who are like, anyone who's not an Armenian is a, is, a, is a heretic. They, like, the Calvinists think the Armenians are, are heretics, the Armenians think the Calvinists are heretics, and this, I'm painting with a broad brush, I understand that most Calvinists don't think that way, most Armenians don't think that way, I'm painting with a broad brush, don't clip this out of context and say, see, John, blah, 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 but, in, in in navigating all of this, what would, what advice would you give somebody who may be coming out of the charismatic movement or maybe looking at, um, you know, moving from cessationism to, you know, continuationism and, and, and looking at scripture saying, you know what, maybe the gifts are continuing, you know, how do you help? What, would, what advice would you have for somebody to navigate that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because I I fluctuated on both sides a lot of the time. I went from my hyper charismatic self and my theology and then, oh, well, really no theology or just bad theology. And then I, my pendulum swang to the other side where I was like, like, you know, no gifts. No, nobody is, you know, nobody not saved. Even, not me.
0: even on Christmas. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, no, nobody is saved, but. R.C. Sprawl, he's alone in heaven with God. <laughs> he's like the the he, if Jesus is like at the right hand of God, he's like at the right right hand, maybe like the chair over. But for me, it, it really became like, as as I started to read the Bible and study theology, like I'm somewhere in the middle. I and, and it's weird because you have these words that we use. And we be like, oh, are you a charismatic? And it's like, well, can you define that? It's like, were well, you a continuationist? Well, well, can you define that? And and neither side, if you're on one extreme or the other, can define the other side for you accurately. And so if you're going to the uh, like the, the cessationist reform side and they're telling you what a continuationist or, or a charismatic is, chances are you're not going to get an articulate um, uh position. You're not going to get a a well-defined articulate position. And if you go to the charismatics and and you ask them what cessationist is or cessationism is, that's a hard word. Cessationism. They will give you a weird oblong answer. Like they don't believe in the Holy spirit. Actually God does nothing. Like they believe like actually that God makes you sick and you have like have to worship him when he makes you sick. It's like a good thing. You get like these weird answers and, and each side is a character of the other one. And so what I would would simply state is do your best to be logically consistent and contextual with scripture. Okay? Don't allow uh, don't allow any specific circle to determine a position that you have. And and but here's the kicker of all of it. Here's here's the biggest thing that I just want everybody to know if you can take anything away from me is stop majoring in things that don't matter. You've already been given a command from God and you're wasting your time on a lot of these questions. Like, are, are they really gonna be that beneficial if you have a position on certain things? Is it really gonna, it doesn't really affect a lot of what God has already called you to do. And now certainly there are some things that are gonna affect the way that you pray, the way that you approach evangelism and the way that you approach preaching and things like that. But overall, a lot of these things are not conducive to your faith walk or what God has already placed on your life. So, what I would say is go back to the Word of God, uh, set, set aside your preconceived notions of anything that you've heard prior. Just read the Word of God. Excuse me. And when you have questions, I, I want you to do this. Before you get on YouTube, I want you to go to your pastor. I want you to go to your pastor. Before you go to a, a, before you type in Bill Johnson plus whatever, or RC sprawl plus this, I don't, I don't, whoever it is, doesn't matter. Go to your pastor. You need to go to your pastor first. Hopefully you're at a Bible-believing church. Hopefully you are uh, being led scripturally. Uh, but that that's the best place you can you can start there. And uh, first and foremost. Study the word of God. Go back in antiquity. Look at what the church fathers did before us. Look at the early church. Did any of this resonate with them? We tend to get stuck in like modernity, like this modern perspective on everything. But one thing that helped me the most is I stopped listening to anybody who is alive and I began to listen to dead men, like old dead men, because I see their track record in life I know all their positions. I know what they've said. I know how they treated their wife. I know the life that they lived. I, I, I can find what I need to find. and if, if, if it is something that can be uh, trustworthy, then then I can engage. But I, I quit listening to modern preachers preachers a long time ago and there are some that I can I can hear. but I don't obsess over sermons like I, like I used to. A lot of people will go straight to YouTube. And they'll just like power through sermon after sermon, after conference, after word, after this. And they're trying everything they can to just like, like you, right now, you're fat and overweight and you're not moving. You're not doing anything. You don't need more information. You're lethargic. If you had more information, you're overfeeding yourself. Do what God said to do already. We, we already know what God has said to do. Uh, Go back to the basics, go back to the fundamentals, learn what the gospel means, what that means for you, for your neighbors and for your family. If you can articulate the gospel, if you can't articulate the gospel, then learn how to do that first, even for yourself. Really check yourself, make sure that you are in the faith, because I wasn't, I wasn't in the faith, and I really thought I was, and guess what, I was... I was listening to more sermons, going to more church services, speaking, speaking in tongues and casting out demons. And, you know, I was doing everything that I thought I should have been doing, but that is, not, that, that is not what articulates a relationship with Christ. And for me, it's going back to the word. It's going back to the word. If it doesn't, if, it, if it's outside of orthodoxy, chances are it's wrong. I would say nine times out of 10, Every answer that I look back and, and study within orthodoxy, and I'm not talking about like the orthodox church, like Eastern Orthodox, Oriental Orthodox or anything like that. What I'm talking about is like tri- the, the, the fundamental um, traditional orthodox positions of the Christian church that have been that way for, you know, it was like 2000 years. It, 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 they're going to remain the same. They're gonna remain the same, and if we start stepping outside of that and thinking that we got a new revelation, we have this, uh, this like new word. We we have this new song. We have this new, um, um, I don't know, whatever newness. Like that's a big thing for a lot of hypercharismatics. Is like new wine. Lord, give me fresh, a new song, fresh, fresh anointing, fresh fresh, so fresh, fresh anointing, fresh yep. power, fresh this. I want the old power, man. I want the old anointing. It's like, give give me what God has already set in motion. And the, and, I, and I'm okay with like newness and stuff like that, but it, it has to be rooted. Like, get rooted, man. And that and that may sound cliche and silly, but like, get rooted. Like, what is your foundation? Like, is it is it on is your foundation on Christ? And and let me can I also just point this out? I'm not against like the gifts. I'm not against like I'm I'm not against healing. I'm not against like the, the power of the Holy Spirit and like the, the, the display of God. Like I'm not against that. What I'm saying is y- you can major in things that take you far, far off track. Like if, if somebody were sick in my family, I'm going to go put my hands on them and pray that God would heal them. But am I a healer? Like, no, I attribute that to God. Like he is the healer. Like I can't heal. Like I can't be both the problem and the solution. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't be the problem and the solution at the same time. Like Jesus Christ, Christ and Him crucified. That is the, that is the solution. I am obviously the problem. There's something wrong with me. I need an outward third party helper. And so, and, and I'm sure there's people. and I've had discussions with people about um, like the gifts and cessationism and continuationism and things like that. And, and we've gone into detail and we've talked about silly things like soul ties. And what does this mean? And what does that mean? And every time I go back to scripture, if I can't come to that position by just reading the word of God, then you're reading into it. Like mm-hmm. you're you, something is being predisposed onto it. And that's, listen, that will shape how you do evangelism that will shape how you do apologetics if a mormon comes up to you and says hey read the book of mormon and test it out and then see if you can become more no if i cannot come to the position of mormonism by reading the bible then it is not true if i can read if i can come to mormonism by reading the bible then i'll become a mormon but that's not what happens if i can come to your position of whatever it is by just reading the bible plainly and simply then, I, then it isn't there, it's not true. We have the truth that we need. Um, and, and, I, and I do believe that God is, is active and living. I do believe the Holy Spirit is active. And I do, I do believe in miraculous things. And I believe that God, um, I'm not a deist. I believe that God is active in this world. What, what I'm not a fan of is people who don't have a relationship with God. They don't honor his word. They don't care, and then they they begin to espouse like these cultural benefits that they've been grown up on, or something that has. It, it becomes like a bandage for wounds that they've had in the past. Mm. And I, I'm, my question is, where are you standing? Like, what are you standing on? Are you standing on the last sermon that you've heard? Is is that the fuel that's in your tank? The last sermon you heard. What if that preacher che- cheats on his wife? What if that preacher walks away from the faith? Now how good is your faith? Like These are things that we really have to to examine ourselves on and I watched it take place in my life and the life of those around me and the only answer I have is uh, you need to commune with God, get into his word. I'm not saying that reading the Bible is what saves you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying do you know do you know the words of God without the Bible? Would you know the gospel without the Bible? would you know Jesus Christ would you know the name Jesus without the Bible? Granted sure, maybe maybe there are some Muslims who have a dream or whatever and, and God comes to him and they're that person and they say I'm Jesus and stuff like that that's okay but what I'm saying is, We are so quick to find answers everywhere else except for what God has already freely and truly given us. And that's a shame. And that's painful. And you're going to go through a lot more pain by trying to figure out your faith walk without the thing that God has already prescribed us. He's already given us His Word. It's already true. It can already be trusted. And I just... I just want to go back to that. I just want to go back to that commune with God, get into his word. Um, and I, and I pray for, and, I, and I'm sorry, I, I know I do ramble, dude, that's what I do. <laughs> but it's like, I pray for those people. I pray for my friends who are on the double predestination Calvinist side. They're like, God predestines, you know, some to hell for his glory. And I'm like, it's so cool. and it's like the other people are like, everybody goes to heaven. We're all getting healed tonight. And I'm like, like, okay like you're it's like i don't see that i don't see that my wife has a neurological disorder and they're like that's a demon i'm like you're an idiot because when she started taking pills it all got better (laughs) and we prayed for a long time and it's like how do i you know it's like how do you how do you say that kindly but um yeah, get in the word so, of God, man. Like, some, sometimes,
0: sometimes you don't got to be kind. You just got to be uh, straight to the straight to the point. You know, G- Jesus yeah. wasn't always kind. He was truthful, though. Right. You know. Yeah. Well, but, there's a
1: difference between being nice and being kind. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. say Jesus was kind, but certainly was not nice at times. Like yeah, it, yeah. That's that's true. Devil, that's true. Right.
0: That's 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 a better way to put it. Is he wasn't <laughs> always he wasn't always nice, but he was truthful. He definitely was always kind. He met people yeah. where the, where they were at. Um yeah, I could do a much better job at that. Um <laughs> yeah, but anyway, man amazing. uh Matt, I I appreciate you being on here. Let people know where they can find you.
1: Yo, so you can uh you know I do I do have a TikTok. That's where a lot of my stuff was at one point. Um I will be uploading there again at MattCL, just at M A T T C L. Um I'm I'm gonna be doing a lot more on YouTube. Um, so if you were to just, just, I'm sure you can Google me, just Matt CL, uh, I think my YouTube is just, it's Matt CL. I'm, I'm on Instagram sometimes, it's Matt CL. Uh, preparing a lot of content for what I'm going to be pushing out in the future. So I'm, I've been taking like a rest on social media for some time, but I have a lot of great things coming out, short film style teaching, documentary style stuff where I'm going to be pressing into some of these questions and I'm out here in Arizona and I'm close to people who I want to kind of draw into my circle. I'm like, I'm not too far from some of my friends over at Apologia Church. Costy um, Hinn is not too far away. And I got a lot of like people who, who I respect out here in Arizona, who I'm going to um, hopefully get in on some of these videos. So if you want to see some amazing, um, like documentary style teachings with, with a lot of uh, questions and answers, apologetically follow me there. It's Matt CL, I T S M A T T C L, or just Google Matt CL, you'll find me.
0: And I will be leaving it in the description uh, and um, tagged in here. And if you're listening on, you know, any streaming service like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, just type in at Matt CL or at It's Matt CL on yeah. YouTube. And uh, you'll be able to connect. Well, God bless you, Matt. God bless you guys who've been here in the chat. Thank you so much for for being here. Thank you for your time. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you are here with us. And we don't take that lightly. Um, Just two announcements. One, my book's coming out. Um, You know, a little self-promotion right here. Uh, My book law of attraction gateway drug to spiritual heroin is coming out may 16th today's the last day to order the the signed copy so definitely go out there and get that um and also going to be in vegas july 26th matt might come out to vegas going to be on a panel with ruslan and um and john mccray from uh he has the youtube channel what do you mean we're going to be at a christian influencers conference so if you guys are available come out uh I will leave the link in the description of this video. And um, also make sure you guys are following the Why Jesus Network. We're going to be doing a, a lot more stuff. I know some of you may be seeing this on my channel right now, but there's going to be a lot of exclusive stuff that we're doing just over there at the Why Jesus Network that you will not be able to get anywhere else. With that being said, God bless, and we'll see you guys on the next one.